RadioInfluence.com. Welcome into a new episode of the Inmate Report Podcast. I am Jason Foy. If you're watching this on video, to my right is my colleague Daniel Galvan. Of course, come up here on this week's edition of the show. We have got a ton to discuss. Daniel, I don't know if you realize this. This Saturday is our we have no UFC event. After this week, we got 12 straight weeks of UFC events. Yeah, man. It is it's really weird that it's a Memorial Day weekend. And there isn't a big fight, right? Yeah. It just feels weird to me. It it feels like it's the type of weekend to where you are going to have a massive uh, event. But obviously, once we get off that, I mean, we are on the uh, the road to, you know, International Fight Week eventually. Although I missed the whole situation where you would have a fight, a tough card on a Friday and a pay-per-view on a Saturday. But yeah, man, I, I think for, for me and you, it's important to really value this three-day weekend, <laughs> yes. drink some daddy sodas, <laughs> and kind of like get ready for the long storm because you're right. It's going to be a whole hell of a lot of action. I mean, if you're an MMA connoisseur and you want to get some mixed martial arts in your diet, I think you're going to have to take a trip to Poland and watch KSW this weekend. No, you know, there, there's some Michael st- Matarla and Pudzinowski. Yeah, there, there's some stuff on UFC Fight Pass. On Friday, you've got, uh, there's a uh, unified MMA card. Uh, it's going to be headlined by uh, Ryan Ford and, and Robert Hale. There is some MMA to take in. But, I mean, look, you know what? He, when, when you're on this this weekly UFC grind, like I'm on with all the shows I'm a part of, uh, yeah, take advantage of this weekend, and uh, I'll enjoy having a, having a Saturday off, man. It's uh, It doesn't happen very often, so you got uh, to enjoy it. But uh, coming here on this week's edition of the show, going to talk a little about the PFLs, they made some news over the last week. Don Davis appearing on the Spinning Backfist podcast was a part of Barstool Sports. Talk about how PFLs going into pay per view in 2023. It's something we knew about, but he offered up some very interesting details on that. Also, talk about the comments Ali Abdelaziz made about a potential matchup between his client, Kayla Harrison and Chris Cyborg. Also, we'll talk about MMA judging once again being the headlines following UFC Vegas 55. Of course, uh, Holly Holm and Caitlin Vieira. Also, Eric Anders and, and Joe Young Park uh, in that situation. Also, uh, talk about some uh, Eagle FC takeaways as I did take in Eagle FC last Friday. As uh, I will tell you, there became a point where I just had to mute the broadcast. I just couldn't take it anymore. Also, uh, we'll have our WTF moment of the week, which involves what Anthony Smith said on him, uh, him and Michael Bisman against her down doing a podcast together. I uh, actually listen to that podcast. It's actually a really good podcast. Uh, probably go into my rotation of a podcast list too. So we'll get into all of that here on this week's edition of the show. Of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, like subscribe, hit that notification bell. So, you know, when a new video is live here on the channel, of course, uh, I did talk uh, to Joseph Holmes, who's coming off that victory last week in UFC Vegas. That's on this channel right now so be sure to check that out also got some unified mma interviews up there as well of course if you listen to this on a podcasting platform follow like subscribe rate review all of that really does help us out a ton but daniel i want to go back to last week's podcast where we were talking about kane velasquez and one of the things that i had brought up about this story was the fact of if you know how many people would be out on bail if they were chasing someone in a car, 
firing a weapon at that car, how many would be released on bail? So I was with the law father, William Frankie, Tampa Bay's attorney, does a podcast on, on Radio Influence. I'm, I'm his producer for that show. And I brought that scenario to him. And his, uh, his response to me, zero. No one would be out on bail. So I just thought that was interesting. Also, I saw an article on MMAfighting.com uh, earlier today. Of it was an article that got posted like probably about ten days ago from Steve Morocco, where he talked to multiple defense attorneys about how they would represent Cain Velasquez. Boy, they did not present a very good case for Cain Velasquez beating these charges. Yeah, it just absolutely sucks the situation Cain is in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just feel like for him, man, it's all about either a plea deal or or going to a jury and. And with the jury, I mean, as a human being, you see what happens with this situation and you understand the anger Kane had. So maybe, just maybe, if you put it out to the jury of citizens in that community, that's where Kane Velasquez can kind of beat the system. Well, part of that article it was towards the end was a defense attorney saying that uh, the Kane Velasquez defense team may not be able even to bring that up because that would be an ongoing case still going on, which I thought was kind of a, a fascinating detail to throw out there. Um, and, and, and there was another defense attorney that basically said, if you go to trial, you're basically just hoping that one person says, I'm not convicting him, you know, which is something that we've talked about on the show. But I just thought it was interesting, really a great article. People not seeing over MMA fighting uh, of what Stephen wrote there, speaking of various defense attorneys. So be sure to check that out. But, uh, you know, Daniel, last week, the PFL, we had already knew the PFL was planning to go into the pay-per-view business in 2023. They'd already, you know, talked about that. But Don Davis, the PFL founder, he was on the Spinning Backfist podcast, which is over there at Barstool Sports. Uh, Robbie Fox hosts that podcast. And he offered uh, some interesting details into what they plan to do in 2023. And here's what Don Davis said. A lot of the capital from this new round is going to go towards we're open for business for top fighters. We've disrupted, call it the media business, with the league format. We have as good of a product on TV, not pay-per-view, as UFC or anybody. But until today, we've never been in the pay-per-view business. So if you're a pay-per-view fighter, Conor McGregor, Usman, John Jones, your people who, Kayla Harrison next year, you're so good, you're top two, three, four in your weight class, your economics demand, you fight on pay-per-view. Until today, we've never been in that business. We've only been in the media business so far. Starting in 2023, outside of the league format, we're going to put two super fights. As of today, we're open for business, but we're going to do two things different. Just as we disrupted before, fighters will be true economic partners in their fights. 50-50 for pay-per-view shares. They will share 50% of the revenue of their pay-per-view fights. Never happened in the history of MMA. Number one and number two, until now in pay-per-view, it's been a one-company town. It's now a two-company town. If you're a fighter, you have a choice. When you have a choice, you have an opportunity. Before, the only company to put on successful pay-per-views were UFC, and they're great at it. Starting in 2023, there's a second company. Now, there is two. Th- there is really two things that I highlighted in what Don Davis said there. First was, we're open for business for top fighters. And second, if you're a fighter, you have a choice. Hold, hold on, Daniel. I thought fighters always had a choice. They have to sign a contract. But then, you know what my, my uh, follow-up question to Don Davis would have been? What's hey, that? Don, did Kayla Harrison have a choice in coming back to the PFL? Yeah, which the answer to that is 
probably know. No, that. because they matched the yeah. contract. I mean, it, it, and that's look, that's the problem with MMA free agency. It's it's not unrestricted free agency. But I tweeted about this and I said, there's three takeaways I have from this. One, great for fire sure pay-per-view revenue split. Awesome news. Great news. Two, what's the price point of this uh, supposed pay-per-view? And three, what fights could a PFL put together that will get people to pay a premium price? Well, to tackle that last question, there aren't any fighters other than Kayla Harrison that make sense that to put on pay-per-view. There's only one fighter on that roster that you can sell a pay-per-view around, and she doesn't have a dancing partner. So the fighters that you would have to have to put on two or three pay-per-views are not currently in the promotion. They are fighters with name values that maybe are on the outs with the UFC. A Nate Diaz, for example, right? Those types of fighters, the fighters that they named who have had their fair share of issues with Uncle Dana and the UFC, that's who the PFL has to go out and get. Because currently on the PFL roster, there aren't any pay-per-view draws other than Kayla Harrison, and she needs Chris Cyborg to sell a fight. <laughs> Don't tell all your devils he's that. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll dig into that in, in a little <laughs> bit. Um, let's kind of work backwards. Number two, what would be the price point you would go for if you're a consumer, Jason, on a PFL pay-per-view? Man, well, I got it with the car. Like, with their PFL, the, the roster the way it is right now, I think you got a tough sell anything above twenty four ninety nine. Yeah, the roster it is now. I would I would not want to pay more than five ninety nine. Like to me, up. this is how I look. This is my ultimate takeaway for what Don Davis said. This was his way of getting it out there. Hey, fighters who are about to be free agents, who are our free agents that are notable names, come talk to us. That to me is what like I always talk about. There's got to be a method behind your madness. And that, to me, was the method behind Don Davis' madness was basically sending a message to Francis Ngannou, sending a message to Nate Diaz. Hey, guys, when you're a free agent, you need to come talk to us because we, we're willing to do a 50-50 split with you. I, and, and look, th- that's great for fighters. But like, and and he's talking about the, the capital he just got, which they got you know $200 million of, of an investment to the company, which I'm sitting there going, Jesus Christ, at what point does this this company not just continue to take investment money in? Like, like, are you not making money? And then like, and then Paul Giff brought this good point, you know, of A-Rod's 30 million, a part of the capital he put in, gets him a seat at the board. All it takes a 30 million mm-hmm. to get a seat at the board at the PFL? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I feel like that board may have a lot of chairs in the boardroom, but, you know, love them or hate them, the PFL does a phenomenal job of, getting funds right from various sources i think a couple of things one the biggest positive from this thing is the framework of what this pay-per-view means for fight for fighters where it's that 50 50 split that is a phenomenal idea and i always will advocate for any type of business model that puts more funny money in the pockets of fighters so that's great but it seems like the big pitch here is they have a pitch, and they're trying to pitch it to fighters to, to come on board. The one thing I'll, I'll say is there's still some of that PFL BS in this <laughs> in this interview. 
no, not the PFL. No, you're kidding me. What is it that they said they did? They changed the game? Uh, what was it? What did they it do? was... Uh, they broke the mold? Yeah, basically, yeah. No, they didn't. They they have not made an impact on a TV standpoint. The peak of this promotion was when it was called World Series of Fighting. I don't and know as how I recall, was. I think when they were WSOF, this was kind of pitched too about this 50-50 pay-per-view revenue split. I mean, at the end of the day, it's what fights are you putting on pay-per-view that are going to get someone to put their money down? I mean, we, we've talked about this at, at, over the years. It's very expensive to be a combat sports fan. You know, if you are, if you like MMA, you like boxing, like, man, it's, it's super expensive to be a combat sports fan. I mean, let's just like, just say if you just love MMA, like you, you of course you got to have your ESPN plus subscription, you know, uh, you probably got UFC fight pass because you got all those regional shows that are over there that you may want to catch like an LFA, uh, a, a unified FAC, you know, organizations like that. You know, how are you watching Bellator? There, there's an ad expense because they're on a, a premium network in Showtime, you know, and then there's all these regional shows that are on pay or use, you know, like, so last Friday when I was watching Eagle FC, oh, by the way, freak, freak to watch. I, uh, I decided to look, have you seen what the price point is for Barstool Sports Rough and Rowdy? Is it $14.99? No, bro. Double that. It's it's thirty bucks basically. Yeah, twenty nine ninety nine. I I was shocked. I yeah, was yeah. like, I, I okay. If it would have been fourteen ninety nine, I think I would have ordered it. Yeah, but no, thirty dollars is a little bit too much, bro. How about yeah. this? I I you know because I was something in the restaurant and bar business. You realize they sell rough and rowdy to bars now. Wow. Just like you saw UFC pay-per-view or, or ESPN plus shows, that thing like that. Yeah. Rough and rowdy. If you're a bar, you could purchase that to show it at your, your establishment. I just don't know how many people are being brought into your establishment for a rough and rowdy event, <laughs> you know, but Hey, all the power to Barstool for, for making some money. I mean, like I get the idea of having some buddies over and putting on some fights for like $10, yeah. but there just aren't you know, big time fights. But yeah, I mean, the thing is with the PFL is they are competing against not only the UFC with this business model, but realistically they're competing with the Barstool Sports. They're competing with Bare Knuckle. They're competing with Triller yeah. and they're competing with Jake Paul because essentially what the PFL's business model is, is they want to get these big time fighters and get them into the pay-per-view business what they're competing against is other people giving these big names, Nganu, DS, whomever, better deals. So they can't lose the war when these guys become free agents. And I do think someone like Jake Paul will likely give fighters a better financial incentive yeah. than what they could get out of the PFL. So that becomes the big concern for the PFL when you say you're going to do two to three pay-per-view events. What happens if they aren't able to obtain these big-time fighters? Julia Budd and Kayla Harrison is not a fight you can put on pay-per-view to sell pay-per-views. You can put it on as the third fight of a card, but that is not going to get people to spend more than $5. People will spend money to watch Kayla Harrison fight. But they want to see her get some type of challenge, or at least fight a name value fighter. Yeah, you yeah mean, who, who, maybe maybe the big fight is Ronda Rousey. 
I mean, look, you mentioned about it. Kayla Harrison needs a dancing partner, you know, to, to truly be able to sell a pay-per-view. Look, there is no question. Kayla Harrison is one of the best female fighters in the world. No, none of us would, would deny that we would all agree with that. Now, Ali Abdelaziz has said these comments MMA chunky this week, where he says, quote, at the end of the day, listen, everyone is using Kayla's name to promote themselves. I have no interest in this fight, meaning Kayla versus Cyborg. Kayla will fight anybody. I don't care about promoters, managers, reporters. They all talk about Kayla and Cyborg. Listen, at the end of the day, I don't even care about this fight. This fight will probably never happen. And even if it fight happens, no one gives a expletive. That's my opinion because Kayla's Kayla. She's undefeated. She's the best female fighter in the world. And in my opinion, a pound for pound great right now. She doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. Cyborg needs her. She doesn't need Cyborg. She's making six figures, seven figures every fight. She's happy. She's going to beat whoever they give her. If you talk about maybe one day a man Nunez or something like that. Yeah. Man Nunez is interesting. Let's do it. But I don't really care about Cyborg. I don't think people will buy this fight. Anybody can come. They're going to get their asses whooped regardless. It could be Amanda, Cyborg, anybody, Juliana Pena. Anybody can get it. They can all get it. Just don't use Kayla's name to promote your brand. That was Ali Abdelaziz. I mean, look, first off, Ali deserves a lot of credit for getting the deal that he got Kayla from Bellator, which, of course, PFL matched. And, of course, we're in this situation. Uh, the one thing, there are things I will agree with Ali in his statements, and there's some things I will not agree with. I agree with this fight will probably never happen. I agree with that statement, Daniel. Do you? I don't agree with that statement. I think this fight happens. There's just because the thing okay. is, right. there's just, there's no other place to go for either of these two women if they continue to win. Unless Kayla goes to the UFC. That's why I think this fight will happen because Jason, they need each other. All right. Oh, 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 Kayla, no, oh look, I'm in total agree with you there. That's where like one of the things I don't agree with what Ali says, where Ali says cyborg needs her. She doesn't need cyborg. I completely disagree with that because like at the end of the day, like I love watching Kayla Harrison fight. She's an elite athlete. She's one of the best fighters in the world. No question about it. Now, unfortunately she doesn't have the resume to say she's the best fighter in the world. Ability-wise, no question, but she doesn't have the resume. But the fact is, yes, yeah, Cyborg, I mean, how, how many times have I said on this podcast, Cyborg needs Kayla, Kayla needs Cyborg. Yeah, they both need each other. You know, Kayla can't say she's the best fighter in the world when she, you know, how can you even put her over Amanda Nunez, right? That's insane. The stand-up of Kayla Harrison just isn't there compared to some of the best in this planet. How do you put her above Juliana Pena right now? Yeah, you, you you can't do that either because her best wins are over Larissa Pacheco, Marina Moraes, and Cindy Dandoy, I guess. Look, Kayla Harrison is a phenomenal fighter. A lot of what Ali said is true in terms of her skill level, but this is a business where it doesn't matter what PR, BS you put out there if you manage her. The business is simple. The business of mixed martial arts is putting two people inside of a cage or a ring and seeing how many people in this schoolyard will gather around and watch this fight. The business is, how interesting was this fight? How many people care? How many people are putting money in your pocket? Kayla Harrison, who is apparently the best fighter of all time, according to Ali, fought 
a few weeks ago to start off this month. How many mixed martial arts fans, including hardcore MMA fans, could name the opponent that Kayla Harrison beat in May without looking? Are they going to tell you she fought Marina Moknakina? Two out of are ten. They, are, I, I, like, I, I mean, I feel like the sports bar analogy would be a really bad analogy because I feel like no one would. Yeah, uh, no one in a sports bar would be able to name a single opponent Kayla's fought. Well, okay, I may, okay. Pacheco, Maybe the better but, analogy would be is if you walked into the next UFC pay-per-view and polled 50 fans, how many fans would be able to name her opponent? Only if that fan also happens to train at an American no, top team. No, first off, no. And if you're polling these fans, this has to be like during the first prelim of the night because those are the hardcore fans. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't be asking questions like, at, you know, an hour to the pay-per-view. You got to be in the arena, first fight, and just walking around because those are the true hardcore mixed martial arts fans. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and on the other side of the coin... I'm sure not many of them are going to be able to cite to you what Cyborg has done in Bellator. You know, even though she's had better opponents than Harrison, that to me is is a fact. Um, still, both these fighters need each other in order to get that big-time audience. When these two agree to fight each other, it will be the highlight of Kayla Harrison's career. I can't say it'll be the highlight of Chris Cyborg's career because Chris Cyborg was a part of some pretty big fights. I mean, I would be stunned if it was a bigger fight than Cyborg's fight against Gina Carano or her fight against Amanda Nunez. But outside of those two, it would be her biggest fight. Yeah, I mean, look, it's if you tell me Cyborg Kayla is happening whatever date in the next 12 months on pay-per-view and it's $29.99, $39.99, I'm buying the pay-per-view. Because I want to see that fight. But like right now with what the PFL roster is, I just think it's very, you know, it's it's just hard for them to put together. I mean, at the end of the day, when it comes to the pay-per-view, it's all about to me is are you putting on a premium product that's going to get me there? Like, I, in a way, I understand where Ali's coming at here. It's just certain aspects of it I just don't agree with. I mean, look, and, you know, you know look, I want to see the PFL succeed because obviously it's going to be great for fighters. But, I, I mean, look, we, we how many promotions have we seen try to go the pay-per-view route? And they just realize it's tough, you know. I mean, like, if you can sign Francis and Ganu, are people gonna are people gonna magically go over and ignore that pay review? I don't know. I don't know. I think it all comes down to what exactly uh, the price point is there. Uh, but let's move over to uh, last weekend, Daniel. Uh, once again, MMA judging in the uh, in the comments section here in terms of, of this one. And, of course, uh, the scoring between Holly Holm and Caitlin Vieira. Also, uh, the Park and Anders fight. And uh, Andy Foster, the executive director of the California Commission, he was on Ariel Hawani's show today. And, I mean, look, Ariel is very much pushing this open scoring uh, narrative. And look, and I understand why open scoring would make a ton of sense. I I, I get it. Like, I'm not necessarily for or against it. I'm, I'm just kind of like, hey, if, if the commissions decide they want to do it, I mean, there are some commissions that would do it. But, I mean, let's be honest about it. Has Jeff Mullen said Nevada will do it? No. And, and, and I tweet about this today. Like, when Annie Foster mentioned that he wasn't for open scoring, Anyone who follows the regulatory side of this sport should not be surprised by that answer. If if you are if you are surprised by that answer, you just don't follow the regulatory side of the sport. 
I, I was not surprised by that. I did find it interesting that Andy did talk about that he would like to see uh, timidity fouls, you know, basically, you know, lack of aggression put in. I mean, I think Logan Storley, Michael Page is probably a fight that, that sticks out to you most about, about that one. Um, I mean, look, open scoring, if you think this is going to fix MMA judging, I, I just think you're dead wrong. I, I think you're dead wrong in, in that aspect, um, you know, I would like to see a lot of my media. I'm going to try to get up to Niagara Falls here at the end of July. I, I want to put, take the MMA judging course. I want to see how well I would do. Because yeah, I would say yeah. this, like, you know, I never try to pretend I'm the smartest guy in the room. I have no idea if I'll be able to pass that test. But I, I'd, I'd be interested to sit through that course and just see what yeah. they say. There, there's definitely a disconnect between what's happening with the judging of these fights and how people understand how they're being scored. Without a doubt. And that bridge needs to, there needs to be a bridge there for that gap. I didn't think Holman Vieira was a, was a robbery. I thought Holly Holm won the fight, but I didn't think it was a rival. It was a robbery. I didn't feel like Holly Holm did significantly more damage in, you know, like in three of the five rounds. I, I had Holm winning this fight, but it wasn't in a way where like those are three just like, like open like shut rounds for home yeah it, it was a close fight especially on the feet like Vera did do quite good you know there were there, there was the one round when Vera nearly had holly home uh tapping out with a rear naked choke and, and that was a pretty clear Vieira round and then i want to say i was felt really strongly about the fifth round for home and also the first but both that one and then anders and young Park, excuse me, that fight was also one of those things where it was like Anders is doing the, the, the wrestling, right? The, the wrestling and not being too successful with it. But Park, you could understand that he was having more success and possibly more damage with his striking output. And that's kind of where I think he got the scores. Yeah, I mean, on the main event, it's a close fight. It's not a robbery. I mean, I did, just like you, I scored three rounds to two for Holly Holm. Uh, the reason I was laughing as you were talking there made me think about so me and my wife went out, uh, you know, had some dinner, had some drinks, got home, basically as the main event was starting. Uh, by the way, does anyone think that Andre Padneris thought Kalen Vera was winning that fight heading into the fifth round the way he talked to her? I'm sitting on the couch, bro. And uh, you're Andre Padneris passionate. Would that be a way to describe it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, passionate, like, I mean... He's being a hard ass. I mean, let's call it what it is. And my wife looks at me, she goes, holy crap. He's just going to talk to her like that? I'm like, yep. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, damn, if I'm a fighter, I want Andre Panaris in my corner because he ain't going to hold back. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the most well-respected guys, and you can see it there. And even though, you know, she didn't win the fight, she didn't win the round, excuse me. It's, it's not like she heard that and went and won the round, <laughs> but you're right. Like you want someone who's going to tell you how it is, be straight with you and, and kind of seize the moment. But I do think if you're a, just a random person, just catching up on that, that's definitely disorienting to be like, wait, he's on her team. Yeah. He's talking to her like that. Um, Speaking of the Andy Foster, I, I, I wrote down a couple of things about his interview today. He said, one thing was, he says, let's give the judges something to score. Interesting uh, thought there. Um, 
And he also kind of alluded to, you know, wondering if coaches understand the judging criteria, which anytime we see this stuff come up on MMA Twitter, Daniel, I do feel like there's a portion of the MMA community that has no idea what's in the, in the judging criteria. I mean, that's why like, you know, that's why like I'm interested in one of the things that I've learned over the past couple of days. If you go to the association of boxing mission and combat sports website, there's actually a page that tells you when judging and refereeing seminars and courses have taken place and who's participated in those courses. Wow. And California does a, a call every other month where they talk about this stuff. Like, I mean, look like, and, and I don't envy being a judge flat out. I would not want to be a judge. Because I think it is much different when you go in that seat and all of a sudden you're the one sitting there. I've also like another thing I put uh, on Twitter earlier today was when we're talking about open scoring, there's two people I would love to hear their opinion on this. One is Mark Ratner, who has regulatory affairs for the UFC. The other is Corey Schaefer. Now, a lot of people may not know who Corey Schaefer is. Corey Schaefer runs the regulatory affairs for Bellator. When we're talking about this from a mixed martial arts angle, those are the two guys I want. Also, I wonder if Showtime and ESPN wants live scoring because it would take away from the drama. And I just, I think at the end of the day, it's a fun, great debate to have, Daniel. I would be relatively shocked if we see open scoring come to the UFC or Bellator. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, you're getting people to stay after the commercial break to get the result. So that's why surely they're going to have motivation for that not to take place. And when a promotion like the UFC has that type of motivation, uh, they certainly have a large influence. I think open scoring would be beneficial to kind of like, you know, calm the – the shock of a bad decision, right? If we're aware that a bad scorecard is happening in the moment, I don't think it's as crazy as we see a fight and we assume it's going to go one way and then, oh my God, there's a split decision. So that's where open scoring helps, but I don't think it's going to take away bad decisions. I think when I look at MMA judging, Jason, if I was going to change the way we do things, what I don't like about the current way we do it, Jason, is how few options judges have when it comes to scoring rounds. And oh, we, you're we, not we, a half we, point person, are you? I We don't need to do half point. We just need to do more point. We have 10 points to work with. Okay. There are too many rounds that are like a close round and that scored a 10-9, a clear round and that scored a 10 run. Mm-hmm. There okay. should be a difference. Whether it be, it could be one of two things. One, Making it in a because when you read when you read how the judging is, is done, the in the rules it really says like you should mostly score rounds 10 9, in my opinion. That's how I perceive the rules. I feel like close rounds should be different than rounds where one fighter clearly won, it should be different than where one fighter nearly finished the fight and clearly won. Like, I think it should be 10 7, 10 8, 10 9, and 10 10, or we should have more 10 10s if the if the round is is. is Razor thin, even if you think maybe one person won, 10-10. Clear round, 10-9. Dominant round, near finish, 10-8. Personally, I would go 10-9, close round, somebody won. 10-8, 
that fighter clearly won, but they didn't finish the fight. 10-7, they nearly finished the fight. That's how I would do it because I feel like a lot of times we have too many 10-9 scores for rounds that are just different ends of the spectrum. Oh, I mean, how many times have we seen a round where it was scored 10-9, but it was no a 10-9 rounds not always the same. You know, it's, it's, you know, we, we've seen so many instances of that. I mean, you think, I mean, go back to Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling round one, round two, you know, if you think they're both 10, nine rounds, I mean, they're two totally different rounds there. I mean, like the one thing I'll say this is there's a lot of people on the regulatory side that are trying to evolve this sport. And I looked this up today, the MA rules and regulations committee that helps kind of, you know, bring about change. I did not realize that one of the people on the MA Rules and Regulations Committee, Chris Lytle. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a name from the past. One of yeah, the most John, entertaining fighters. John McCarthy is a chairman of that one. Uh, but Chris Lytle is one of the men that is on that one. Wow. Who else is on there, you know? Uh, I will pull it up for you. Uh, John McCarthy is the chairman. Uh-huh. I know Sean Wheelock is on there. Pat Cunningham, who is the executive director of the Florida State Athletic Commission. He is on there. I'm going to pull it up right now. Um, I pulled up a little earlier today. Uh, to, 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 let's see here. To, 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 where is it at? Of course, you know, when you want to find it on, on the on the website, it's always uh it's always difficult. <laughs> Oh, here you go. ABC committees. Your MMA rules and regs committee. The chairman is John McCarthy. Then you've got Sean Wheelock, Cristiano Sampaio, Patrick Cunningham, Mark Goddard, Andy Foster, Herb Dean, Jarrell Vallel, Sal Diamato, Chris Lytle, and Scott Bowler. Wow. Yeah. Lytle's name definitely sticks out on, on that list. You know, by, along by, with Sean Wheelock. By the way, another uh, there's a official development committee for MMA. It's chaired by Brian Dunn. On that committee, Douglas Crosby, John McCarthy, Herb Dean, Todd Anderson, Saudi Amato, Kevin McDonald, Dan Mergliata, and Jeff Mullen. Jeff Mullen is the executive director of the Nevada Commission. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, it's nice to kind of peel the layer back and see what's under the hood of Mix more Schwartz regulation. I, my thing is with all this talk about MMA judging criteria and open scoring and all that, will the media come to the annual the annual ABC meeting in Niagara Falls at the end of July? I, I say highly, no. Yeah, I highly doubt that, Jason. I think if you go, you're going to be uh, you're going to be sitting by yourself at the Scott, lunch table. Scott Fontana of the New York Post has said he's going to go. Okay. Um. But I, he had mentioned to me that he heard some other names are are tr- are trying to go, but uh, I will be interested if there is a contingent. And one of the things that Mike Mazzulli has said to me, he said he goes, he goes, the fee is waived for any media member that wants to attend any of the seminars or courses. Wow. I think it would just be interesting to sit through an MMA judging course. Hmm. Yeah, I think that would be interesting and beneficial to your viewers. And I, I hope people take Mazzulli up on that offer. You I, can't get any better than free. You know, I was thinking about this today. 
when you look at the MMA media, we all know who has the biggest impression on, on this landscape. It's Harry Hawani. We all have all the credit in the world. Like, I almost think if I was the ABC, I would say, hey, Ariel, how about you bring a film crew up and we'll let you film the whole thing? Yeah. You want to talk about Would that bring some transparency to a lot of things? Hell yeah, it would. Because there is no one in this industry that has the footprint to bring on clicks like Ariel Hawani does. Yeah. Yeah, he is the most important person in our landscape right now in terms of you know, Mondays and Wednesdays, people are talking about what he's talking about. You know, he is the newsbreaker. He kind of sustains various mixed martial arts websites as they kind of parrot <laughs> off what, he's, uh, yes. what he does on the MMA <laughs> hour. Yeah, he provides a lot of content for a lot of MMA websites. Out there. I mean, but look, it, yeah. it's a fun conversation to have when we talk about, you know, open scoring. I mean, look, I just, it would be interesting to me the next time Dana White does a post-fight press conference. If someone brings it up, just to get what he would, it'd be interesting to hear what Dan White would say on the record. My guess is yeah. he's is he's against it. D- just my hunch. So as well. I would think so as well. Or he would just blow off the question. By the way, I, I mentioned I watched the Eagle FC show last week. I signed uh-huh. up for uh, what's it, Flexcast, whatever it's called. You know, you put your email and all that. And uh, so I watched it. Uh, I had to turn off the the play by play. I just I couldn't take it anymore, Dan- uh, Daniel. First off, if you wanted to do a drinking game during the Eagle FC show. Anytime Henry Cejudo says Uncle Shell or Ali Abdelaziz, take a, take a drink. Just a hunch. You're probably going to be blacked out drunk within 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, Cejudo's not great, Jason. He's not great. I kind of like Usman, I'm be honest with you. I kind of like Usman. Uh, Chael is great on a YouTube format, like doing videos and stuff, but I don't like him as, as a commentator. And then, oh, God, who's the other guy? Uh, it was Cejudo, Shale, Usman, and then uh, the play-by-play guy. He's he's done um, he's done ring announcing. Yeah, I can't think well, of his name, but it was just one of those things of like I, I just I was like I can't I, I can't take I put the I had the NBA game on. I'm like I'm only listen to this one. Um, it, a- you know, and by the way, I know Jorgen kind of took some offense to people uh, talking about his celebrating. Man, Jorgen, bro, man, you were celebrating like you won the UFC title at the start until like you're like, oh crap. By the way, Florida Commission completely botches this one. Like, the fight should have been stopped ASAP. They're like trying to let JDS pop his shoulder back in the socket. Like they got the memo from Habib. Like, hey man, I really need this guy to win, but I'm trying to get a co-promotion going on here. Yeah, yeah, they're still gonna do Junior Dos Santos and Fedor. I mean, dude, JDS uh, was winning this fight. And he just popped his shoulder out. Uh, yeah, this was like a pro wrestling thing where they're like, oh, no, let me pop my shoulder back and let's get back at it. It's like, it doesn't work like that. You can't just do that. You can't just yeah. stop a fight, pop in your thing and, and whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, look, DeCastro looked fine. But, again, he was losing this fight. He won because JDS injured himself on a punch. Yep. Uh, and then the co-main event, you know, Lombard rocks Thiago Silva early. Silva... Rocks Lombard and Silva has no one to blame but himself, dude. He had Lombard finish. Lombard looked tired. Yeah, he was gassed. <laughs> yeah, Silva just landed an illegal knee, and there was no way Lombard was going to come back after that. I mean, Lombard knew where his gas tank was. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, Silva has no one to blame but himself. Uh, kind of a bad night out for Eagle FC. I mean, they did, you know, it's uh, 
it's a crapshoot. I mean, they had two knockouts on their main card, though, so that was nice. But in terms of their two primary fights, it, it just uh, disappointing results. But it's not Eagle FC's fault. It's just that's just kind of how the game plays. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's I mean, look, I thought you did see a better version of JDS than we saw in his end of his UFC run. But you could definitely tell. I mean, he's he's slowed down. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, so you brought something to my attention today that stuck out to me and it's what anthony smith said on michael bisping's podcast and so this is the quotes that he said he go and he's talking about when he fought john jones at ufc 235 where donald cerrone and another man who i didn't know who this person was before today i guess i'm out, out of touch with with pop culture here where basically they booted Anthony Smith's wife, mom, and his manager's mom from their seats. And this is what Anthony Smith said on the podcast. They come and they want to sit down and watch the fight, but they're effing hammered. Like, just S out. (laughs) They're drunk. And so they tell them that those seats are theirs. My mom doesn't know who Dan Bilzarian or Donald Cerrone. My wife knows who Donald is, but she doesn't know him, and she doesn't know who this short, tight shirt, funky-ass, hat-wearing jerk is. She knows that these are her seats, and she's about to watch her her son fight for a world title. They come, and they want to sit down and watch the fight, but they're effing hammered. Dan Bilzarian and Donald Cerrone remove my mom and my wife from their seats while I'm getting ready to fight John Jones. I was effing furious. If I had seen Dan Bilzarian, because I had found out about it right after I got to the back, and if I would have seen him then, I would have effing torn his head off. I was so mad. Then Dan ends up next to my mom, and then during the fight, is watching porn on his phone. Like, during the fight, he's sitting there watching porn. My mom's super uncomfortable. Like, she's not. She's weird out. She's a quiet lady, real shy. It was a whole effing ordeal. Daniel, the last part of this is the WTF moment of the week. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I almost feel like it should be illegal to be on your phone watching that type of content in a public setting. Right? Um Clearly, he really loves porn. I mean, yeah, like he's not even watching it. Like he's just watching it for different reasons than your average American, right? Like your average American is is going for it. Your average American watches it to get to a certain conclusion. But Dan Bazarian apparently watches it for the stories because he just can't stop binge watching it. Even when he's got the damn main event of two people fighting each other. Man, Donald Cerrone, bad look for Cowboy, a, a guy who's getting some more and more bad PR-type stories where it's like, is Donald Cerrone kind of a jerk? I mean, uh, based on this story, yes, literally to have a, a a wife and a mother of a UFC fighter move out of the seats they actually have and bully them out of there, two females, um, pretty screwed up. Also, you're drunk. So Donald Cerrone, shame on you, kind of a jerk. Dan Bilzerian, Wow, you are a POS. Am I supposed to know who this guy is? Uh, he's like a like a influencer who uh, like who's just really rich and takes pictures of like girls and bikinis and and stuff and like guns. He's like Instagram famous, which is oh, okay. the saddest two words in the English dictionary. But yeah, dude, there were all kinds of WTF moments throughout the week. Like in the beginning of the week, I think I shared with you a story. Oh God, was it Matt Brown? Yeah, the way in, the way and stuff. 
that's a WTF story where you had a, a person who wasn't a doctor tell him that he had to stop cutting weight. So he started hydrating himself and apparently it was a fake doctor. And you could even do a WTF on the whole Michelle Pereira, Jorge Masvidal situ- situation. Bro. You know. That is, like, you know, you're spot on with that one. Like, <laughs> that whole situation, like, like. Michelle Pajero, are you trying to bring this up to get a payday with Jorge Masvidal? And then Jorge's like, hey, bro, I'm not the one who initiated the conversation. Yeah. Hashtag, what was it? Hashtag marriage counselor? Yeah. Dude, that was the ultimate burn by Street Jesus. And, uh, yeah, I mean, damn. Like, Pereira was trying to get into the penthouse of the Jorge Masvidal fight, but now he's in the doghouse. Uh, That is... uh, that was quite the story, but uh, hey, you know what? Shout to Pereira. I mean, he had the best fight of the weekend, and uh, he's won five I in a row I, now. Yeah, dude, he, he's freaking awesome. This is a good fight against Ponzinibbio. Uh, there's some good fights this weekend. I mean, he, I will say this though: when it comes to Michelle Pajaya, uh-huh. I don't know if he's got five round gas tank. I don't think so. You gotta think his. You, you, you gotta think his next fight's likely a five round fight. And I yeah, just don't think he's unless, got the five round gas tank. Yeah, he's and I don't know if there's that many guys in that top ten he's going to be able to finish either. Uh, so I mean, yeah, his next fight will probably be a loss, but he's a damn good fighter, dude. Still, you know, still twenty eight years old. Uh, but I, I do think for Pereira, his next fight will probably be a loss against two. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, he's still hats off to him. He looks good. I mean, you look up and down that UFC card. Hey, Chase Hooper looked good, man. And there's some some good grappling there, and dude, you know, that Sam was Hughes will... that was a fun fight to watch. Yeah, because Hooper's the type of dude who just wants to bring it down. Like he don't care if he's on his back, and he's he he's probably one of the most interesting grapplers in the entire UFC. Yeah, I mean, it was. I think we saw improvements from him. What he was able to do that was that was an entertaining fight for me to watch. Um, in terms in terms of that one. By the way, speaking of Anthony Smith, you know, last week we kind of talked about who's who gets the winner of Glover and Yuri. If Ant Kalive goes out there and has an impressive performance against Anthony Smith, he could probably jump Jan Belhovich. I think he should jump Jan Belhovich. First off, I hate rematches. I just hate rematches now. We had too many in the past five years. We need to stop with the rematches. Although, you know, who knows? But I'm just tired of guys who lost the title getting title opportunities so soon. Jan got the victory because the dude got injured. So, yeah, if Ankalaev dominates Anthony Smith or looks great, give him a championship opportunity. I want to see a fresh championship fight. I'm so sick and tired of the same fighters getting the same title opportunities like yeah, it's enough, Jason. It's enough with the rematches. I'm tired of MMA rematches. Man, so so you're. I guess you're really not down for Bram Moreno, Tyson Figueroa four, which is not happening. No, no these 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 two people have fought each other nonstop. Right? When's the last time we saw a flyweight championship fight that didn't involve both Brandon Moreno and Davison Figueroa? Oh, uh, it's been a long time, but we're going to get interim title fight here in July between Brandon and uh, yeah, Kaikar France. That doesn't count. Interim titles don't count. Those are fake. But look, I mean, I just had that come to Jesus moment whenever Carla Esparza and, and Rose Namajunas had that, you know, that that just that fight that was really bad. I was like, I don't want to see rematches anymore. Stop it. Stop. Oh, wait, actually. Yeah. 
it was, it was that or actually it was the Patricio AJ McKee fight that made me snap. I was like, I'm tired of these rematches, Jason. I, I can't do it anymore. You get in the trilogy, bro. No. Did, that, did they announce that? Not yet, but uh, AJ McKee oh, uh, already came out and said that uh, he's changed his mind. He's he's down for the trilogy, which no. you know Bellator's going to do it. No, that's like, that's the, no, stop it. That fight was ass. All right. They, they already did the fight. We had an opportunity to watch them fight. They fought for 25 minutes, Jason, and it was a dance. Like last night, I had trouble sleeping. I should have just put on Pitbull McKee. I'm a damn idiot. You know, I'm a damn idiot for not using the, the melatonin version of combat sport, which is that fight. You could have put on uh, Holly Holm versus Caitlin Vieira. That wasn't exactly fun to watch. That's true. Or even, a, you know, old Tabitha Ricci didn't have the most exciting fight against Poliana Vienna when she used a wrestling down pointer. But, you know. Neither here nor there. Yeah, you can't you can't be on your back and expect to win a fight. Just that's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, unless you're Chase Hooper, uh, then you might be able to. But that's about it. Look, look, I would, I, I would say this: like if if you sat there and said, "Hey, if there's one fight you go back to watch," I might tell people to the Chase Hooper fight. Yeah, either that or you know watch Chidi and Jukwani score a knockout. Yeah. But I mean Hooper. Felipe was was a little longer. You know, you can't go wrong with the Joseph Holmes fight. I mean, that lasted about a minute. But uh, and also, you know, at heavyweight, that that dude at Almeida is pretty damn good. Yeah, he looked great. Yeah, speaking of Joseph Holmes, in my interview, uh, I brought up with him. I said, I said, hey, when you land that knee and and you're kind of going through that finishing sequence, you can see James Krause labeling out for you to throw elbows. He goes, yeah, I heard him, but my other head coach was kind of telling me what else to do, so I listened to him. And uh, kind of an interesting <laughs> dynamic uh, with, with Joseph Holmes, where longtime coach, but also he's now splitting time uh, up in Lisa, Missouri, with James Krause, so he's, he's splitting his time there. But, yeah, it's a big win for him there. Uh, but, uh, you know, look, it's it's going to be nice to uh, to not, you know, be have to worry about any UFC this weekend. Um, you know, I, I will tell you, Daniel, I did have a, uh, you know, last Wednesday night, I sent you the video. Yeah. Let's just say, some, uh, let's just say there some... was a UFC fighter that, uh, messaged me and goes, bro, you couldn't tell me this was in town tonight. <laughs> you were watching. So was it micro championship wrestling? Yeah, man. Dude jumped off the roof, yeah. which is very tall. I, bro, I general. didn't, I didn't notice it all of a sudden. I see him on the roof. And of course I'm like, I gotta get the phone out. I got a video of this thing. <laughs> Because yeah, that's man. what we yeah, do. Probably. That's what we do. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Uh, we we every. I guarantee you, everybody got a video of him jumping off the roof there. Oh what yeah. Oh the yeah. Oh yeah. Wrestlers? What's the name of some of the wrestlers that wrestle on those shows? Do you remember? Do you remember any of their names? Uh, there was a guy. Any, like, uh, was a little show. So he's like the big show, but little. Yeah. Um. God, who is? I'm trying to think of the other guy's names. I forget what I forget the other guy's names. It's a, it's an entertaining show. Yeah, I bet. Pat, uh, bro, packed, packed. I believe it. Yeah, a lot, lot, a lot, a lot of as you would say, daddy sodas were uh, being partaken throughout this entire crowd. I mean, it just sounds like the perfect thing to 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 have in front of you when you hang out with your friends. You know, just you can laugh at, have some fun, and, and you know those guys are going to do a good job too. You know, it's their it's their livelihood, and you know, you know, being there, it, it just like you know, and obviously, like where I'm at here in Tampa, we haven't had, really haven't had a ton of regional MMA. It's like it sits there, and goes, man, I, I, I 
next time some regional MMA comes in through town, I got to go. I got I to see some re- local MMA. Because first off, the crowd might be the most entertaining part about it because God knows what would get said. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... Like, like, like you, you know, like there'll be something like punch him in the dick will get said, you know it. Yeah. yeah the, the people watching is just next level at, at these types of events. I mean, you know, people in tap out shorts, shirts, affliction shirts, Ed Hardy shirts. Dude, I was at the Rays yeah. game last night. I saw a dude wearing an American fighter shirt. I had not seen one of those shirts in years. Yeah, man, you you'll see. I see a couple of those old men in the gym with American fighter shirts. I, I I almost almost as I was going to get a beer, I almost wanted to say, "Hey, bro, how long you had that shirt?" Yeah, two thousand four, two thousand five. What when yeah. I think of American fire, why is Rich Franklin the the fire that comes to my mind? Yeah, all I can think of is Rich Franklin posing in a magazine. I don't even know what the name of that magazine was, but there was a mixed martial arts magazine back in the day. And yeah, well, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? You're talking about fight magazine. A, I don't think so. I think it was another type of magazine. Let me see. It was like a big magazine too. Like in terms of like the size. Didn't tap out uh, have a magazine at one point too. It may have been tap out. It was probably either tap out or fight. Those are probably the two magazines that, uh, that I, I can't recall. Ever oh, buying. I got it. I got it. I got it. I love this magazine. Ultimate MMA. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I Honestly, I don't think I ever bought a MMA magazine. Yeah, well, I was a little younger than you, so I was a little more fascinated in magazines at the time. You know? So, you know, at the, I was at an age where, like, magazines were cool. When, okay, so when's like, the last like, time you bought a magazine? Let's see. When did... uh? When was the last Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition? Uh, no, I'm kidding. I uh, I get those sent to my house. The last time I bought a magazine is probably when I was at an airport, and I don't know what year it was. It could have been this year, it could have been last year, but I definitely okay. bought one of those like uh, previews for a college football season magazine. Because uh, Phil, Phil Ste- yeah, yeah, Phil Steele. That's like the bi- yeah. that's like the that's the Bible. That would be the I, a- that would be the last magazine I bought. Outside of that, the last time I bought a magazine was I bought the Sports Illustrated when the Bucks won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I could see that for sure. I mean, I'll never be able to buy one from any of my favorite teams because they never win, but I would buy that for sure. Uh, I do get magazines sent to my house. Like, I do have a Sports Illustrated subscription that I have had since I've been in, like, in high school, maybe middle school still, and then... I have a Rolling Stone subscription that I got only because I went to an FYE to buy some stuff and I got an FYE subscription or whatever, bonus uh-huh. points. And a part of the bonus points is I get the magazine. <laughs> so I got screwed on that. Yeah, I uh I could yeah, outside of uh the Phil Steel College magazine, I couldn't tell you the last magazine I, I wrote, but I, I read it, I should say. Um but yeah, probably if I if I do anything, but it's just the point now. It's like everything's on your phone, everything's on your tablet, you know. Yeah, magazines are just meant for people who are going on airplanes. Really, you know, you need something to read because you don't want to look at your phone on the airplane ride, or because you you don't get data. You know, I think that's the the only reason why you would want a magazine if you got a flight delay. 
Yeah, no, no, I'm with you there. But uh, appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, uh, I'm Chase Foy. That's Daniel Galvan. Got a show for you each and every week. You can watch this show on YouTube, also available on your favorite podcasting platform. New shows come out every Wednesday. Of course, uh, be sure to like, subscribe, share, hit that notification, all of that good stuff that does help us out a ton. So we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the MMA Report Podcast. We'll be here next week as we'll get you ready for that UFC Fight Night card. Be headlined by Alexander Volkov and Josino Rosenstruck.